This podcast is offered to you by Zen Center North Shore on the web at www.zencenternorthshore.org. This program is made possible by donations from listeners like you. We're about to be closed, Zen Center, for the next couple weeks. Um, we've seen that this time of year in this part of the world uh, it's a very busy time for people and it's also um, a non-busy time for people like it's a time when um, before school starts you know, there's a, someone calls it September new pencil time like a fresh beginning or you know I don't know. People have different ideas of how they spend the summer, but at any rate, there's a feeling of fall, you know, fall coming. And so maybe enjoying the last couple weeks of summer. So we we take a break. Um, we practice sazen in a different way, not communally necessarily, at least with this community, not formally. It might be on hiking trails, it might be in the ocean. Um, an opportunity to harmonize with the natural world, which is what we do when we come here and sit, um, but we might not always realize that. So for the last couple of weeks in particular, we've been playing with formal practice and more explicitly harmonizing with the natural world. We've been taking meditative hikes, in the mountains uh, and we've been staying close to one of Dogen Zenji's teachings the mountains and river sutra so last week when we were climbing Mount Monadnock all the way up all the way down it took several hours it was very strenuous we each read passages from the mountains and river sutra Kaz Tanahashi's translation and today, uh, kind of ceremonially to honor our last uh, Sunday, our last you know, Sunday practice, I, I, in my tradition, the Sunday practice, the time of the Dharma talk, is kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's in my tradition. When a teacher gives a Dharma talk, there's kind of a, an emphasis, you know, um, there's an offering to the community, there's an attempt to sort of flesh out these teachings of awakening. And so kind of ceremonially honoring that, that this is the last time this is going to happen for a few weeks, um, we thought uh, we might mark it with more of a communal Dharma talk. Sometimes when people see on the schedule Dharma talk, they think we're all going to be talking, but it means the teacher's going to speak, or a teacher is going to speak. Um, but today, let's do it Dharma talk, like Dharma, let's talk, let's have a conversation. And I thought, thanks to Emily, we have these, this um, translation by Dido Lori. I don't know if he worked with anybody else on translating from the Japanese. 
Um, did he work with my Zoom? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I thought we could just go around the circle, and maybe we could each take turns reading a page. Um, and then the next person can read. So if, again, if you use reading glasses, make sure you have them. And make sure you're in a part, in a section of the circle where you can see. Sometimes over here, the light is a little bit challenging, so just make sure that you can see. But I'm gonna hand these out. Um, let's see. Two people will get to share. I didn't think Oh, okay. Well, then you know what? You get to just listen. So maybe if you want to hand that back. <laughs> and so you please, and all of us, whether we're reading or whether we're listening, let's just open to the words. Let's just breathe them in, breathe them back out again. It is a meditation. Um, even though it's in English, the meaning may not be in the exact words. This is Dogen, Dogen Zenji's, um, his, a teaching method of using words to be free of words. So we get that opportunity every time we chant in Japanese or in Sino, temple Sino Japanese, you know, or chanting a, where we don't speak that language, or chanting a Durrani where it's just sound, there isn't literal meaning. Um, and I think we also get that opportunity when we're chanting in English, when we're reading Tolkien Senji and maybe others. It's kind of poetic, you know? So open to the possibility that something may hit you, that not through here, but through here, or maybe through here. Okay, so uh, what's your name? My name is Nancy. Nancy? Yes. Okay, nice to meet you. Maybe let's go around and say names because maybe not everybody knows everybody. I'm Joan. Emily. John. Mark. Lita. Nancy and Lita. Okay, cool. All right, so I say let's just go for it. Let's just use the time. Read, speak um, clearly, calmly, deliberately, intentionally. And. Um, one at a time, and I'm proposing that when you get to the end of the page, just stop, even if it's in the middle of a sentence. And then the next person start up, and let's just go around in the circle. Who would like to start? Okay, Lita. So we'll go around this way. These mountains and rivers of the present are the actualization of the word of the ancient Buddha. Earth abiding in Each. its... Each abiding in its own dharma state completely fulfills its virtues because they are the state prior to the kelp of emptiness they are living in the present because they are the salt before the germination of any subtle sign they are liberated in their actualization because the virtues of the mountains are high and broad, the power to ride the clouds is always presented more, more, more than mountains, and the ability to follow the world is inevitably liberated from the mountains. That's the Toyang Shankai 
addressed the assembly. The blue mountains are constantly walking. The stone woman gives birth to a child in the night. The mountains lack none. Lack none of their proper virtues because they are constantly at rest and constantly walking. We must devote ourselves to a detailed study of this virtue of walking. The walking of the mountains is like that of a man, of a mere, of, of men. Of men. Do not doubt that the mountain walks simply because they may not appear to walk like humans. These words of the ancestor, Taiyang, point out the fundamental meaning of walking and we should thoroughly investigate his teaching on consistent walking. Because the Blue Mountains are walking, they are constant. Their walk is swifter than the wind, yet those in the mountains do not sense this, do not know it to be. In the mountains is a flower opening within the world. Those outside the mountains do not serve this, do not sense this, do not. Okay, and Lita, thank you. If it's easier, if you want to move to the other side of the circle where the light's better, please feel free. Okay? Because the light's a little bit dark over here. Okay, know it. Those without eyes to see the mountains do not sense, do not know, do not see, do not hear this truth. They who doubt that the mountains walk do not yet understand their own walking. It is not that they do not walk, but that they do not yet understand, have not made clear, walking itself. They who would understand their own walking must also understand the walking of the Blue Mountains. The Blue Mountains are neither sentient nor insentient. The self is neither sentient nor insentient. Therefore, we can have no doubts about these Blue Mountains walking. We do not realize that we must clarify the Blue Mountains on the basis of innumerable Dharma realms. We must carefully investigate the walking of the Blue Mountains, the walking of the self. And this investigation should include walking backward as well as backward walking. We should carefully investigate the fact that since that very time before any subtle sign since the age of the king of emptiness, walking both forward and backward has never stopped for a moment. If walking had ever rested, the Buddhas and ancestors would never have appeared. If walking were limited, the Buddha Dharma would never have reached the present. Walking forward has never ceased. Walking backward has never ceased. Walking forward does not oppose walking backward, nor does walking backward oppose walking forward. This virtue is called the mountain flowing, the flowing mountain. The blue mountains devote themselves to the investigation of walking. The East Mountain devotes itself to the study of moving over the water. Hence, this study is the mountain's own study. The mountains unchanged in body and mind, maintaining their own mountain countenance, 
have always been traveling about studying themselves. Do not slight mountains by saying that the blue mountains cannot walk, nor the east mountain move over the water. It is because of the impoverishment of the common point of view that we doubt the statement the blue mountains walk. It is because of the shallowness of our limited experience that we are surprised by the words flowing mountain. Without having fully understood even the words flowing water, we simply remain sunk in ordinary perception. Thus, the accumulated virtues of the mountain represent its name and form, its very life flow. There is a mountain walk and a mountain flow, and there is a time when the mountain gives birth to a mountain child. The mountains become the Buddha's and ancestors, and it is for this reason that the Buddhas and ancestors thus appear. Even when we have the eyes to see mountains as the appearance of grass and trees, earth and stone, fences and walls, this is nothing to doubt, nothing to be moved by. It is not the complete actualization of the mountains. Even where there occurs a time in which the mountains are perceived as the splendor of the seven treasures, this is still not the real refuge. Even when the mountains appear as the realm of the practice of the Buddhas, this is not necessarily something to be desired. Even when we attain the supreme vision of the mountains as the actualization of the inconceivable virtue of the Buddhas, this is not yet the complete reality. Each of these appearances is the particular objective and subjective reward of past karma. They are not the karma of the way of the Buddhas and ancestors, but narrow, one-sided views. Turning the object and turning the mind is criticized by the great sage. Explaining the mind and explaining the nature is not affirmed by the Buddhas and ancestors. Seeing the mind and seeing nature is the business of non-Buddhists. Sticking to words and sticking to phrases is not the speech of liberation. There is speech which is free from such realms. It is the blue mountains constantly walking, the east mountain moving over the water. We should give this detailed investigation. The stone woman gives birth to a child in the night. This means that the time when the stone woman gives birth to a child is the night. Among stones there are male stones, female stones, and stones neither male nor female. These stones give support to heaven and to earth. There are heavenly stones and earthly stones. Although this is said in the secular world, it is rarely understood. We should understand the true nature of the birth. At the time of birth are both parent and child transformed. We must study and fully understand not only that birth is actualized in the child becoming the parent, but also that the practice and verification of the phenomena of birth occurs when the parent becomes the child. The great master Yun Men Kuang Shen has said, the East Mountain moves over water. The import of this expression is that all mountains are the East Mountain, and all of these East Mountains are moving over the water. Therefore, Mount Sumeru and the other nine mountains are all actualizing themselves, are all practicing and verifying the Buddha Dharma. This is called the East Mountain. 
but his young men himself liberated from skin, flesh, bones, and marrow of the East Mountain and its life of practice and verification. At the present time in the land of Song, there is a certain crude bunch who have by now formed such a crowd that they cannot be overcome by the few true students of the way. They maintain that talk such as this East Mountain moving over the water or Nanchong Sickle is incomprehensible. Their idea is that any talk which can be grasped by thought is not the Zen talk of the Buddhas and ancestors. Indeed, it is precisely incomprehensible talk that is the talk of the Buddhas and ancestors. Consequently, they hold hold that Hong Po stick and Lin Chi roar because they cannot be comprehended or grasped by thought represent that great awakening preceding the time before the germination of any subtle sign. The tango-cutting words often used as teachings devices that by the great master, devices by the great masters of the past are impossible, they say, to comprehend. Those who walk in this way have never met a true teacher and lack the eye of study. What they call incomprehensible talk is comprehensible only to them, not to Buddhas and ancestors. Simply because they themselves do not comprehend it is do not comprehend it is not it is no reason for them not to study the way the Buddhas and ancestors comprehend. Even generated, even granted that it was incomprehensible, it would then follow that this comprehension they now seek to maintain must also be wrong. Such people are common throughout Sun China, and I have seen them with my own eyes. They do not know that though that they do not know that thought is words. They do not know that words are liberated from thought. We should realize that this teaching of the East Mountain moving over the water is the very bones and marrow of the Buddhas and ancestors. All the waters are appearing at the foot of the East Mountain, and therefore the mountains mount the clouds and stride through the heavens. The mountains are the peaks of the waters, and both ascending and descending, their walk is over the walk, over the water, over the water. The tip of the mountains' feet walk across the water, setting them dancing. Therefore, walk, therefore, walking extends freely in all directions, and practice of practice and verification are not non-existent. Water is neither strong nor weak, neither wet nor dry, neither moving nor still, neither cold nor hot, neither being nor non-being, neither delusion nor enlightenment. Solidified, it is hard. Solidified, it is harder than diamond. Who could break it? Melted, it is softer than milk. Who could break it? This being the case, we cannot doubt that many virtues realize. I water. <laughs> we should then study that occasion 
near the water with the ten directions is seen in the ten directions. This is not a study only of the time when people or gods see water. There is a study of water seeing water. Water practices and verifies water. Hence, there is a study of water speaking water. We must bring to realization the path in which the self encounters oneself. We must receive back and forth along and spring off from the vital path on which the other studies and fully comprehends the other. In general, then, the way you see in mountains and rivers differs according to the type of being that sees them. There are beings who see what we call water as a jeweled necklace. This does not mean, however, that they see a jeweled necklace as water. How then do we see what they consider water? A jeweled necklace is what we see as water. Or again, they see water as miraculous flowers, though it does not follow that they use flowers as water. Hungry ghosts see water as raging flames, or as pus and blood. Dragons and fish see it as a palace or a tower, or as the seven treasures of the many gems. Others see water as woods and walls, or as the dominator of immaculate liberation, or as the true human body, or as the physical form and mental nature. Men see, this, men see these as water, and these different ways of seeing are the conditions under which water is killed or given life. Thus, what different types of BNC is different, and we should reflect on this fact, is it that there are various ways of seeing one object, or is it that we have mistaken various images from one object? We should concentrate every effort or understanding this question, and then concentrate still more. Given this multitude of perceptives, it follows that this training on the way of practice and verification must also not be merely of one or two kinds, and the ultimate realm must also have a thousand types and ten thousand kinds. If we reflect on the real import of this problem, although we say there are many types of water, it would seem there is no original water, no water of various types. Nevertheless, the waters which vary in accordance with the different types of beings do not depend on body or mind. They do not arise from karma. They are not dependent on the self or the other. Dependent on water, water is liberated. Therefore, water is not earth, water, fire, wind, space, or consciousness. It is not blue, yellow, red, white, or black. It is not form, sound, smell, taste, touch, or idea. Nevertheless, the water of earth, water, fire, wind, space, and the rest is spontaneously appearing. This being the case, it becomes difficult to explain by what and of what this present land and palace are made. To say that they rest on the wheel of space and the wheel of wind is true neither for oneself nor for others. 
It is just speculating on the basis of the suppositions of little understanding, and is only said out of fear that without such resting place, things would not abide. The Buddha has said, all dharmas are ultimately liberated. They have no abode. We should realize that although they are liberated without any bonds, all dharmas are abiding in their own state. However, when humans look at water, they see it only as flowing without rest. This flow takes many forms, and our way of seeing is just a one-sided human view. Water flows over the earth, it flows across the sky, it flows up, it flows down. Water flows around bends and into deep abysses. It mounts up to form clouds, it descends to form pools. The Wensu says, the Tao of water ascending to heaven becomes rain and dew, descending to earth becomes rivers and streams. Such is said even in the secular world. It would be shameful indeed if those who call themselves descendants of the Buddhas and ancestors had less understanding than the ordinary person. This passage says that although the way of water is unknown to water, water actually functions as water. And although the way of water is not unknown to water, water actually functions as water. Descending to heaven, becomes rain and dew. We should realize that water climbs to the very highest heavens and becomes rain and dew. And this rain and dew is of various kinds in accordance with the various worlds. To say that there are places to which water does not reach is the false doctrine of the non-Buddhist. Water extends into flames. It extends into thought, reasoning, and discrimination. It extends into enlightenment and the Buddha nature. Descending to earth, it becomes rivers and streams. We should realize that when water descends to earth, it becomes rivers and streams, and the essence of rivers and streams becomes sages. Common people think that water is always in rivers, streams, and seas. This is not so. Water makes rivers and seas within water. Therefore, water is in places that are not rivers and seas. It is just that when water descends to earth, it acts as rivers and seas. Moreover, we should not think that when water has become rivers and seas, there is then no world and no Buddha land within water. Even within a single drop of water, incalculable Buddha realms are actual ones. Consequently, it is not that water exists within the Buddha land, nor that the Buddha land exists within water. The existence of water has nothing whatever to do with the three times or the Dharma realm. And yet, water is the koan of the actualization of water. Wherever the Buddhas and ancestors are, water is always there. Wherever water is, there the Buddhas and ancestors always appear. Therefore, the Buddhas and ancestors have always taken water as their own body and mind, their own thing. In this way, then, the idea that water does not climb up is not to be found neither in Buddhist nor non-Buddhist writings. The way of water penetrates everywhere, above and below, vertically and horizontally. Still, in the sutras, it is said that fire and wind go up while earth and water go down. But this up and down bears some study. 
the study of the up and down of the way of the Buddha in Buddhism where earth and water go is considered down. But down does not mean some place to which earth and water go. Where fire and wind go is up. While the Dharma realm has neither has no necessary connection with up and down and the four directions simply on the basis of the function of the four, five, or six elements, we provisionally set up a Dharma realm with directions. It is not that heaven is above and hell below. Hell is the entire Dharma realm. Heaven is the entire Dharma realm. Nevertheless, when dragons and fish see water as a palace, just as humans see palaces, they do not view it as flowing. And if some onlooker were to explain to them that their palace was flowing water, they would surely be just as amazed as we are now to hear it said that mountains flow. Still, there would be undoubtedly some dragons and fish who would accept such an explanation of the railings, stairs, and columns of palaces and pavilions. We should calmly consider over and over the reasons for this. If our study is not liberated from these confines, we have not freed ourselves from the body and mind of the ordinary person. We have not fully comprehended the land of the Buddhas and ancestors. We have not fully comprehended the land of the ordinary person. We have not fully comprehended the palace of the ordinary person. Although humans have understood in seas and rivers as water, just what kind of thing dragons, fish, and other beings understand and use as water, we do not yet know. We do, do not foolishly assume that all kinds of beings must use, must use as water what we understand as water. When those who study Buddhism seek to learn about water, they should not stick to the water of humans. They should go on to study the water of Buddhism. We should study how we see the water used by the Buddhas and ancestors. We should study whether within the rooms of the Buddhas and ancestors there is or is not water. From the time from time immemorial, the mountains have been the dwelling place of the great sages. Wise ones and sages have made the mountains their own chamber, their own body and mind. And, the, and through these wise ones and sages, the mountains have been actualized. However, many great sages and wise ones, we, however, however many great sages and wise ones we suppose have assembled in the mountains, ever since they entered the mountains, no one has met a single one of them. There is only the actualization of the life of the mountains, not a single trace of their, of their having entered remains. The continents, the continents of the mountains is completely different when we are in the world gazing off at mountains and when we are in the mountains meeting the mountains. Our consideration of, our consideration of our understanding non-flowing should not be the same as the dragons understand it. Humans and gods reside in their own worlds and other beings may have doubts about their and other beings may have doubts about this or again they may not. Therefore, without giving way to our surprise and doubt, we should study the words mountains flow with the Buddhas and ancestors. Taking one view, 
there is flowing, taking another, there is non-flowing. At one time, there is flowing, at another, not flowing. If our study is not like this, it is not the true Dharma wheel of the Tathagata. An, an, an ancient Buddha said, an ancient Buddha has said, if you wish to avoid karma of hell, do not slander the true Dharma wheel of the Tathagata. These words should be engraved on skin, flesh, bones, and marrow, engraved on interior and exterior of body and mind, engraved on emptiness and on form, they are engraved on tree and root, so tree and rocks, engraved on fields and villages. Although we say that mountains belong to the country, actually they belong to those who love them. When the mountains love their master, the wise and the virtuous inevitably enter the mountains. And when sages and wise ones live in the mountains, become the mountains, belong to them, trees and rocks flourish and abound, and the birds and the beasts take on a supernatural excellence. This is because the sages and the wise ones have covered them with virtue. We should realize that the mountains actually take the light and wise ones and sages. We should understand that the mountains are not within the human realm, nor within the realm of heaven. They are not to be viewed with the suppositions of human thought. If only we did not compare them with flowering in the human realm, who would have any doubt about such things as the mountains flowing or not flowing? Again, since ancient times, wise ones and sages have also lived by the water. When they live by the water, they catch fish, or they catch people, or they catch the wet. These are all traditional water styles. No one further, there must be catching of self. Catching the hook, being caught by the hook, and being caught by the wet. In ancient times, they Chiang suddenly left Wishan and went to live on the river. He got the sage of the Huayin River. Is this not catching fish? Is it not catching men? Catching water? Is it not catching himself? For someone to meet their Chiang, who must be their Chiang, Chan teaching someone is the meat in himself. It is not his, it is not the case simply that there is water in the world. Within the world of water there is a world. And this is true not only within water, within clouds, as well as there is a world of sentient beings, within wind, within fire, within earth, there is a world of sentient beings. Within the Dharma realm there is a world of sentient beings. Within a single blade of grass, within a single staff, there is a world of sentient beings. And wherever there is a world of sentient beings, there inevitably is the world of the Buddhas and ancestors. This truth we should study very carefully. Thus water is the palace of the true dragon. It is not flowing away. 
If we regard it as only flowing, the word flowing is an insult to water, for it is the same as imposing non-flowing. Water is nothing but the real form of water just as it is. Water is the water virtue. It is not the flowing. In the thorough study of the flowing or the non-flowing of a single drop of water, the entirety of the 10,000 dharmas is instantly realized. As for mountains, there are mountains hidden in jewels, there are mountains hidden in marshes, mountains hidden in the sky, there are mountains hidden in mountains. There is a study of mountains hidden in hiddenness. An ancient Buddha has said, mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. The meaning of these words is not that mountains are mountains, but that mountains are mountains. Therefore, we should thoroughly study these mountains. When we thoroughly study the mountains, this is the mountain training. Such mountains and rivers themselves spontaneously become wise ones and sages. The end. Or is it? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> thank you for encouraging this um, personally I feel I feel the dance of Dogen you know reading, I read this on my own it's quite different than reading it as a group and um, does anybody want to say anything about your own experience before I dive into a few thoughts in reading it anything come up for you anything hit you anything move you well, I like the phrase, the mountains belong to people who love them. Yes. Yes, the mountains don't belong to countries. It's so interesting. It's like that book out there we have of the photographs that the astronauts took of planet Earth. How could we be so fixated on countries, boundaries, with that point of view? It's always harder in the winter in the middle of the conflict. Yes. And so this is, I feel, the compassion of Dogen. This is Dogen's compassion. Do you feel that? I never necessarily experienced that before. Um, and especially with Nancy, I, boy, I felt for her. She's like, gotta go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wondered how long she'd last. <laughs> um, but um, his, his, you know, dancing with these two truths, the absolute truth and the relative truth. The absolute truth, with a different perspective seeing planet Earth, how can we even think about boundaries, you know? One Earth, one race. Um, and here we are, in the thick of it, dealing. <laughs> there, there's stuff to deal with, there are problems that occur. We don't just have that point of view, you know, way out here. We have the point of view right here, where it's messy and it hurts. Well, I get, uh the impression of Dogen kind of one-upping people on absolute. Mm -hmm. So here's the absolute, okay, and absolute, well, mountains are kind of the same thing. We got one up, one up to everybody else. Yes, exactly. And that's that spirit of our, right at the end where he says, some people say mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. You know that teaching. Does everybody know that teaching? When before practice, mountains are mountains, rivers are rivers. Oh yeah, that's just the full moon. You know, did you see it the other night? Big and orange. Fabulous.
But then after you begin practice, <gasps> mountains are no longer mountains and rivers are no longer rivers. The full moon, wow. And then after practicing for a while, yeah, you don't make a big deal out of it and be annoying to everybody around you. Mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. But there's something that's shifted. I'm going to bring the absolute back to the world. Yes, and it doesn't just end there. It continues forever. Perplexed. Mm-hmm. How one would spend so much effort and so many words to just say everything is what it is. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that might be so? Mountains are mountains and rivers and rivers. It seems like a wordy way of saying everything as it is, but... Mm-hmm. For me, a mountain is a mountain, and for you, a mountain might be a mountain, but it's not necessarily always the same mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this might be called, you know, upaya, like skillful means, an attempt to be of help, an attempt to, you know, to, like the monk sweeping. This is the metaphor of the sweeping the rut that we get into in our point of view or, 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 and then he or she sweeps a pebble just accidentally into a stalk of bamboo and so in the midst of the or, 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 you get <laughs> and it's like what but just oh it's like not a big deal you know but something shifted because it happened in the body. There was a sound, you know? There's a little jolt. It's very helpful to be kind of jolted, to be surprised. Do you know? We need help. It's wonderful. You know, we can't do it on our own, and why would we want to? How sad and boring and lonely and monotone. You don't think so? You think it's kind of cool to do it on your own? <laughs> You've had enough of people. <laughs> yeah. Often, yes. Yes, I know. Well, and then it's not just people. It's all beings. You know, so the mountains and rivers, I love how he talks about rocks. You know, and we saw some beautiful rocks on the hike yesterday at Ravenswood. I woke up thinking about Ravenswood. That's where we hiked yesterday. It's just this place on the border of Gloucester and Manchester by the sea. But that name Ravenswood. It's like right out of Harry Potter or something. And Jikon's kids were there and I didn't know how that was going to go over with these three small boys and I was just like, okay, this is the land of the gnomes. And then they stayed with the gnome thing the whole like hour and a half, which was helpful when they started getting, as Sarah said, hangry. (laughs) You know, an hour and a half in. But it is true, and I, there isn't, I, I wasn't quite lying, you know, about gnomes. It's the trail that we were on, the Ledge Hill Trail, right? It has all these, these, it's a cute little boutique trail with like all these stones placed. It's like, and then there are these huge boulders that have, have fissures in them, and then there are little crannies where gnomes could hang out. I totally see it. And like there's a certain scale Right? on the Because it's not like a big, you know, wide trail. It's like this little trail. And it's like the scale feels like it's like a gnome scale in a way. And it's so 
helpful for me personally. I've been going there so much this summer. It's so helpful. It catapults me out of the mundane, you know, way of seeing the world in my life. It's very helpful to experience the magic of the ordinary world. You know, like seeing the pictures from outer space. That's our world. We're sitting right now in that mundane world, but if we were to be catapulted into outer space, it would look fabulous because it is fabulous. Even right here on Park Street, <laughs> fabulous. It's just helpful. Yes, Mark? I, I didn't know the, like the notion of, or it makes me kind of see what, when you see a mountain, maybe not as a human to see a mountain, as something else we experience a mountain. So when we look at it from a human perspective, we're all kind of, in a sense, seeing it a certain way, and people perceive it slightly different. But it's all kind of the same thing. And maybe you're somebody who's an environmental scientist versus a geologist, but it's still pretty much the same thing. But if you were to see it, Noting it, that it could be seen from a goat's perspective. What is a, a mountain is not this big rock. It's where I live. It's, it's like, like a fish would see water versus how we would see water. I like that notion because for some reason for me, it takes it out of the... I would put people on a spectrum of how you live or see things. But let's say it's vertical or horizontal, I should say. Looking at it that way opens up a whole new completely different, you know, as a third dimension. Two, people are looking at a mountain as one dimension, how people see it, five senses, eight, six senses. But to say it that way, it's like, okay, wait a second, there's a whole completely yes. new realm of ways that you can experience the same thing yes. and seeing. And I love that you invoke the goat. Did you read that newspaper article yesterday in the Guardian? Um, goats in Portugal? Nope. <laughs> So the goat might see the mountain as supper time. <laughs> They're using goats. This is so beautiful because Portugal's being plagued by wildfires. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, in California, when you have the heavy rains, you have a massive regrowth of fuel for wildfires. All the vegetation starts to grow back. And so they're resurrecting shepherds in Portugal and all the villages have emptied out. Everybody's gone to the city or gone to other countries. Um, so there are very few shepherds left. But there's this one guy who's a shepherd. He's in his 40s. And he's like king of the goats. And So Portugal is trying a new approach and it's really economical to all the... They just let loose these goats and they just start eating. You know? And so... That then they take care of the fuel, and there's less, you know, less um, for a fire to feed on. So, yeah, a goat sees a mountain very different, and we might see goats very different too. We might see them as right up there with like fire engines and, <laughs> you know, part of an emergency response group. Yes. Can I just uh, engage in a little bit of shameless self-promotion? My poem. Italo Calvino mm -hmm. comments on Dogen's uh, Mountain of Water Sutra. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe coming out on Oh, so, John. You know, Italo Calvino, kind of surrealist Italian. Yes. Oh, yes. Would you be willing to recite a little bit of it? Oh, well, you know, I haven't memorized it. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll certainly share it with you. 
Thank you. Well, I personally really enjoyed this, doing this together. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I sat and read it because we did causes and then sitting there hanging out with the ducks in the reservoir. And it's a man made reservoir, but there was flowing, which is an insult to flowing. And I had to sit there and puzzle over that. Um, but it is just so different reading it by yourself. So different reading it by yourself, and actually, I feel like I don't know. It's such a silly thing, maybe, but I always so appreciate it. Thoroughly investigate because that's where I actually feel. At first, I was kind of like, what? and then I went, no, it's so compassionate. It's so tender to me that yeah. that little interjection that comes through all of this, but especially here when things kind of you start to get tangled up a little bit. Yes. No study that's really, yes. you know. I, it's funny, I feel it the same way, like, I, my, my second session, I think it was probably day three, and it was on go, and it was 4.5, and she didn't know she was coming around from morning canton, you know, you're supposed to go into the show, and I, it was so funny where I was sitting, because I didn't, I just straight up, because it's so big, I didn't feel him coming around the corner at all, so I was still, you know, in Zaza. And he just leaned over and he's like, open your eyes. <laughs> and I just, I hear that voice all the time. And that's exactly how I hear that, you know, mm-hmm. study, study this. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And when you think you got it, study it again. Yes. You know, come back to it. And oh, yes. I, I think that's such an, it, it's so easy to glaze over that, but I really don't want to glaze over that because I just feel like it's such a, yeah. Yeah. That's him in a nutshell to me. I, I love that. It's funny, it's like, it's English, but the words together, yeah, yeah you're like, what? <laughs> it is, it's Doganese. <laughs> you know, it's beyond English or Japanese. Um, you know, and there was a moment, too, in here where I was very moved, and I didn't catch it when I was reading alone, on water. I started thinking about drought, and um, he said, wherever there's water, there's Buddhas and ancestors. I was very moved by that, you know. So this, the walk that we did, especially at Manadnok, but just in general, the walking we're doing, is right in alignment with taking in through our body, you know, not pushing away the truth of climate, the climate crisis. And I think a beautiful response is walking with the earth, walking with the mountains, you know, flowing and non-flowing with the water, flowing and non-flowing with the mountains, walking on, walking, walking forwards and backwards. <laughs> um, a beautiful way to just be to, to our human effort to harmonize with everything. It's one response that's about opening to reality um, and not being destroyed in the process. Because I feel that a lot of the 
you know, denial, the way denial, I guess, works is it's too much to take in. I can't take it in. I'm afraid it's going to destroy me if I really admit to the whole truth, whether it be childhood trauma, family dysfunction, you know, or our home unit, you know, so we can, we can, you know, open to climate deniers the way Dogen asks us to open to flowing and not flowing, you know, not putting anybody strictly in any particular category. Um, and I also really, because of the gravity, the seriousness of this, I really appreciate Dogen's sense of humor. Did you catch it? It's hilarious when he says, um, because in ancient times when Durcheng suddenly left Huishan, his teacher, and we've experienced that in the sun, when people leave suddenly, we're like, oh, what happened? You know? When Durcheng suddenly left Huishan for whatever reason and went to live on the river, he got the sage of the Huateng River. Is this not catching fish? Is it not catching men? Catching water? Is it not catching himself? <laughs> yeah. I appreciated that. Oh, yeah, and then just before that, he says, um, when, again, since ancient times, when wise ones, wise ones and sages have also lived by the water, when they live by the water, they catch fish, or they catch people, or they catch the way. These are all traditional water styles. <laughs> and going further, there must be catching the self, catching the hook, being caught by the hook, and being caught by the way. You could say being caught by being caught. He says that later when he talks about hiddenness, mountains and mountains. I thought it was interesting too when Kaz talked about it. He was talking about this was actually another way of just translating from the Chinese mm -hmm. into you know, ambiguity in the, in the way Chinese is written. Yes. So all these different ways you could, you know, yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, much more subtle and sometimes in English. I appreciated this translation of that Alores um, and Maizumi's reading it in a group. You know, I felt his that Alori as an artist. You know, I feel the the art, the creative process that happens in his in his practice place, and the connection with that, and the study of Dogen Zenji. So thank you so much. Thank you for bringing your own creative ongoing process called you fully into this. Right. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This podcast is made possible by donations from listeners like you. For more information or to donate, please go to www.zencenternorthshore.org. Thank you.